Hello and welcome back to another episode of Hollywood Haymaker Podcast. I am Dustin Dubuque. And I'm John Hanson. And we are sitting in John's warm basement. As it's Wisconsin and it's negative 15 degrees outside. But that's what we do in January. Um, Segway. The news is just as cold as the outside is here. How so? I, I just don't have anything fun to say. I looked up movie news this morning and I was like, oh, not a lot going on this week. Not sure why. We just we just quick watched the new Birds of Prey 20-second teaser. And again, I have not seen Suicide Squad still. Oh, really? Yeah. Um... I, I thought the actors in Suicide Squad were all really well cast, but the script was pretty bad. So, um, bringing Marco Robbie back for more Harley Quinn, I'm, I'm excited about that. The trailer is pretty stylish. I'll give it that. So it's very Harley Quinn like. Yeah, if the movie's as stylish as the trailer, could be entertaining. Could go, could go for it. Sure. Um, you know the other uh, little thing. I don't know if you saw it, but there's a uh, Stella Artois ad with the big Lebowski. Did you see that? No. So that just started the rumors of big Lebowski too. Um, Let's say they're true, even though I firmly believe that they're not. This is the internet going too crazy about normal things. But say that they announce a big Lebowski too. Have the Coens ever done a sequel? No question. I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't... I love that movie so much, I would hate to see him touch it. You know? I don't think so, right? It, 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 there's no way a sequel could be as good as the first one. Right. And, I mean, it's not like uh, John Goodman that were that young 25 years ago. That's what I always think about like when people make, uh, <coughs> and I probably didn't say it enough at the Ghostbusters talk last week, is it's 30, 20 years, 30 years later, people age. Yeah. And they just... Oh, it's a movie. It's how you see it. Like, uh, just the other day, Martha and I put on, uh, my wife uh, put on uh, an episode of Roseanne, but it's the Connors now because Roseanne's not on it. And even on there, John Goodman, he's looking his age. So, I mean, just seeing him back in a movie like this would just seem, I don't know, odd, right? Um, it just, it, to me, it would feel like a cash grab, you know? Everyone loves that movie. So do a sequel. Um, I don't know. What would it be about? <laughs> More of the same? You, you know it. That, that was my first thought when I saw people. I immediately thought of Dumb and Dumber or, or whatever. Where they were just like, we'll just take what works and just redo it all. I don't see the Coens doing that. Though. I don't either. Um, so this is just a rumor that got started based on a, a beer ad? Of course. It's all it takes. I don't. I, I'm guessing it was just a beer that recognized the popularity of the movie and yeah. wanted to use the characters or something. Right. And let's, uh, yeah, let's not pretend, you know, it's like an A-list actor or anything in an ad either playing an iconic character. No. But it's funny. I was just reading about it this morning. Um, really? What, was, what was, what was the ad then? Was it just John Goodman? And no, it wasn't even John Goodman. Or I mean, uh, was it, was it, uh, the dude? Yeah. That was it. Just the dude standing there drinking Stella. Yep. Makes sense. <laughs> right. Who would have thought in a beer ad, the dude, yeah. Like Stella. Yeah. I can see that. I know. Me too. It's just funny. I love I love 
people go crazy about nothing. Um, you know, and then the other only other thing that I saw that I found was interesting is the Invisible Man's getting a getting a movie. Did you read that? No, but it doesn't surprise me. I heard that they wanted to bring back all the Universal monsters, and I heard they were trying to do kind of a a Marvel uh or Marvel uh, a, a, a cinematic universe of the Universal monsters. monsters. Right. So like Dracula, uh, Frankenstein. And, and I think the reason behind this one is that they're actually going to do them a little more old. Because, you know, they tried this a couple of years ago with the, that was that Dracula Untold and that Frankenstein right. and then that Mummy movie, but all right. of them bombed. Right. So they stopped. Yeah. They, I guess they, they were planning on doing the cinematic universe thing, but because the movies hadn't been doing well, they're obviously the new ones that come out don't reference the other ones. Right. And, and I, uh, um, I saw that, uh, well, in Blumhouse, the horror production company that does quite a bit of, like, the middle-of-the-range horror movies right now, mm -hmm. they're the ones doing it. So, oh, they're doing The Invisible. Yeah. 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 I mean, I... It'll be fun. I hope they do... I, did you watch any of them, the, the ones a couple years ago that they tried to do the cinematic universe with? No. I haven't seen any of them. I didn't watch the new Mummy, but I, I think I watched the, the Frankenstein one. It's bad. Yeah. I mean... I, none of them just looked that interesting to no, me. No, they weren't. I usually like that kind of thing, but I feel like like Dracula has just been done to death now. It seems like every time they do one... I mean, the last time I saw a good vampire movie was probably um, John Carpenter's Vampires or Interview with the Vampire, one of those two. John Carpenter's Vampires is awesome. There's been like a thousand vampire movies so many, since then. So many. The only other one that I could think of off the top of my head... But it's a comedic vampire movie, so that barely even counts. But did you ever watch What We Do in the Shadows? I watched a little bit of it. Oh, it's um, funny. I don't know. It wasn't grabbing me. Really? I, I, oh. I like those guys. They're they're the guys that do Flight of the Concords. Um, they're funny guys, but for whatever reason, that one just wasn't grabbing really? me. Really? I thought it was pretty funny. I just thought they made fun of all the... I, just the little thing of... They're all... It's about a couple different generations of vampires that sit at that have a house together, like college kids. And, uh, they're arguing about who's going to do the bloody dishes and they cut to the dishes and it's a stack and they're all bloody. And I'm like, yeah. funny. I'm like, dang I saw it. That coming. So, <laughs> still funny. didn't care. I was like, funny joke. Like I laughed. And then I love that Nosferatu vampire in the basement that they're all afraid of. Cause he's just going to, he's the vampire that just murders mm -hmm. and doesn't have any personality, but he just eats and kills everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but other than that, you know, John Carver's vampires is a really good movie. That's, yeah, for me, that's probably my favorite vampire movie. Yeah. Yeah. I do love Nosferatu, though. I think I watch it, like, every other year. The original Halloween. From, you know, the, from like, 30s or 20s. 20, 20, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mid-20s. Still love that. I've never seen it. Oh, I, 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 I mean, I'm surprised it holds up. It does. Yeah. yeah. That, those, that and Phantom of the Opera from the 20s both still hold up, both still fun to watch. Okay. For, for what they are. Um... And then before, because we have a pretty, I think, full episode today, talking about class, um, only because we talked Quick Academy Awards last week, we usually don't talk about bad movies on here, and this isn't going to be a long conversation, but the Razzies came out, do you ever pay attention to them, when they announced the worst movie of the year? Uh, I, I hear, I don't, I don't seek the information. I don't either, but I, I saw the ad, or the article, and I, I, these are the nine movies. That are up for worst movie of the year. Okay. Three of which I have, I don't think I've ever heard of. Um, 
I'll go in order from chances to win. They had him in order. Um, so this would be more, most likely to win. Most likely to win is Gotti. That oh, was the movie that had Walton. yeah, that had like zero percent on Rotten Tomato for like like a week, and then that's <coughs> that's the movie where all the Scientologists came and uh, uh, created a bunch of accounts. And Rotten Tomatoes had to like shut down a bunch of accounts because <laughs> it went up. Didn't did you hear about that? No. So what happened was, is so it had a, and then of course like one critic gave it like a two percent, like one critic liked it. Mm-hmm. Let's just assume. And then, uh, but even like the audience score is like low teens, so it's just a terrible movie. Mm-hmm. Um, all of a sudden, within like three days, the audience score jumped up to like a sixty some percent, <laughs> and and it was all just like. A generic, all these reviews, you know, audience reviews were generic. They weren't like saying anything particular. It was just like, this is a great movie. And then Rotten Tomatoes was like, yeah, we just had an influx of about like 7,000 users created and they only reviewed one movie and it was this one. (laughs) And so they had to like. So they were, they enjoyed it so much that they created a Rotten Tomatoes account to voice their feelings feelings about it. it. Isn't that funny? That's a powerful film. Right. To a certain group of people. Okay. But that's funny. So that's that's number one. Uh, number two is Happy Time Murders. Surprise. Shocker, shocker, shocker. <laughs> um, Fifty Shades Freed, the third one. Another okay. surprise. I saw that I saw that in the theater um, because my wife liked it. The first one is so... Did you watch any of them? I've seen them. The first one is so dumb fun that I was like fully on board with the first one. I was like, you know, is this stupid? But it's kind of fun because it's so stupid. Then the other two were dreadful. They're worth watching for for one particular actress. I think. Yeah, she's great, Dakota. Gorgeous. Uh, Show Dogs. Don't know what that is. I think you've seen this one, Truth or Dare. I did not see it. Okay, that it's was another. Uh, I know kind of what it is. So it's one of those right. uh, supernatural ones where um, they're playing a game of Truth or Dare, and if they don't do the dare, then they they die or something. Right. So they have to keep doing the. The dares as the escalator, or whatever. And it's just science fiction nonsense. Yeah, science fiction. Nonsense. I pretty much got the whole thing from the trailer. From the trailer. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure if you saw it or not. Sometimes you take a stab. Yeah. Um, Venom. That was not only for worst. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm you so always t- gotta have a popular movie on there so people give it a little look. You know. I'm so torn on Venom. Like, I didn't hate the movie. I just was frustrated that Venom wasn't in it much. <laughs> I loved the Venom character. I just don't know why they held back on him. Well, you know, you'll get your, you you'll know, get more venom. We promise. You know, in the movies, like there'll be a scene where they go. There's like a comedy movie, and they go to a fancy restaurant, and and the plate comes, and there's just a little tiny bit of food on there. Right. That's how I felt with venom. <laughs> I'm like, I loved it, but give me more. <laughs> give me more. There was, I mean, like I mentioned before, it's 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 almost 40 minutes into the movie before Tom Hardy is exposed to the symbiote. And it's another half hour before you see Venom. Our listeners will never be able to watch Venom now because if they haven't, because they know John. <laughs> so they're so making a part two, and I actually am looking forward to part two. Well, because so. you would think that now that this is all out of the way, right? You've established the character. Right now, we can see him in the movie finally. Correct. <laughs> um, and then uh, there's two, a few more on here. I don't know. Outsider. Don't know what that is. Sherlock Gnomes must be a kids' movie. Um. I'm surprised Sherlock, uh, what's the Will Ferrell one? Holmes yeah, it wasn't on here, but it did get, I saw it got nominated for some, like, acting ones and stuff, which I think are a little dumber. It was... And then the last uh, one is... Holmes and Watson. Holmes and Watson. Watson. 
Um, and then last one's How It Ends. Did you watch that on Netflix? That's a Netflix movie. No. It was really bad. What's it about? It's like a post-apocalyptic. It's everything you've seen before. It's just a... It was one of the movies that we've talked on here before, but like Netflix just pays a little bit of money because it's really easy to throw it in the background and watch some stuff blow up in really bad CGI because they don't have enough money. Um, but yeah, so they say Gotti's the worst movie of the year. I think that's probably pretty normal from a lot of people. Okay, fun stuff. Now we'll segue. Or do you want? So we're going to talk about Glass today. Um, do we want to start with Glass and work backwards, or do you want to start with Unbreakable I'm gonna- and forwards? I'm going to just talk about Glass. I'm going to okay. bring up Unbreakable you a little bit like during, um, okay. during my review. But you saw you saw Glass last night. I saw it last night. 9.45, five people in the theater. Yeah. In our terrible theater that I realize every time I go there. And you went dressed in a purple suit as I cosplaying. Should have. And, and, and like comatose. So then I could have the people that work there. Especially because it was 9.45 at night. It was the latest showing of a movie last night. It's Monday, and again, it's negative 20-some degrees here in Wisconsin. Nobody's at a movie theater. I literally pulled into the theater. There's not a car in the parking lot. So immediately I think... To be fair, a lot of people's cars aren't running right now. Right. So true. So true. Um, And I'm like, oh, man. So I'm going to go into glass, and like two workers in here are going to have to stay another like two and a half hours just because... I want to see this movie. And I was like, oh, I feel so terrible. But then lucky for me, two more cars pulling behind me. Because those are the, I told John off mic, those are the two cars that also went and saw Glass with me. Mm-hmm. So I didn't feel as bad being the sole human being in that movie theater <laughs> to keep that college kid uh, working until midnight. That, that, so, yeah, that was just a funny moment. Because I thought I was going to be the only one. And I thought about it. If I was, I might have went home. Because even I would have felt bad. I'd be like, Granted, you're getting paid to sit on your phone for two and a half hours. So, no, you're not doing real work here. It's 10.30 at night. But, but yes, I did go late last night. And you told me you liked Unbreakable, right? I did. Well, I I hadn't seen Unbreakable in over 10 years. Easy. Mm -hmm. It's been a long time. So, I did rewatch that yesterday, too. And I was like, still fun. Fun. Still enjoyed myself thoroughly, yeah, yeah. and then I was very, uh, I was fine on Split. Didn't love it, didn't hate it. It was just a fine movie for me. I didn't. Um, of course, the end reveal was fun to to bring up this movie, which was good. The final, yeah, the yeah, final the final scene. scene. They, they let you know at the end of Split that it's actually going to tie in to right. Unbreakable, which right. which was cool. You don't know while watching it, which I thought was interesting. You know, when you really think about it, that's interesting marketing. Not too many people would do that. Yeah, um, when Split came out, I actually didn't really have much interest in it, but when I heard that it was going to tie into Unbreakable, it became a must-see, and I'm actually glad I saw it, because I, I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, I, I, I think my wife and I went and saw it in the theater, and uh, um, really a lot of my problems with Split weren't, were I, I just got over McAvoy's character, it was just too much McAvoy's character to me, um, which is actually why I, I like Glass more. Um, I like... I. That's what I liked about Split was I thought his performances were amazing. I think they were you, fine. It was just a lot of it. I think if you had gotten a different actor, somebody who, who wasn't able to give those performances he gave, right, that movie would have been atrocious. It, it, it would have been mediocre at best. It know? would have been if it, I'm not saying McAvoy's not really good at it. He is. It's just a lot of it, and I was yeah. just like, oh, there, Split doesn't have a lot of substance other than to introduce that character, right? Um, but uh, for me, 
with his performance. I'll watch it just for his performance. Yeah, but if you say you shaved off the last minute and it had nothing to do with Unbreakable, I feel the same way about it. Do you? Yeah, yeah I don't. It's, to, to me, it's it's like a character study. Um, all right, let's do a class. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, no. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I. I it's a character study, and I think his performance is. I think his performance is what makes the movie. Sure. the The fact oh, that it was going to tie yeah. in, the fact that it was going to tie into Unbreakable was what made me want to go see the movie to find out what this is, and then I found it to be a really, uh, a really good actor piece. Sure. Yeah, yeah and it was. Um, and again, I'm not blaming. I'm definitely not blaming Michael White because he's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so yeah, so then I went and saw class last night and actually had a pretty good time. Good. It was fun. Yeah, you enjoy it? I definitely did. I mean, I, no way I find it perfect, but overall, I did enjoy myself. Well, I think perfection would be asking a lot of any movie. Well, you know, I'm not meaning that die hard. <laughs> I just kind of used a word there. I'm glad you liked it. I yeah. didn't know if you would. Um, I know some critics are being very harsh on it right now. Yeah, you know, I've stayed really far away from the, from the critic reviews. I haven't even read any to this morning yet. On Rotten Tomatoes, it's getting like 75% from audience. And it's like 50, but right, from critics? No. It's lower than that? It's like 35. Is it really? You can look it up and huh. see exactly. But yeah. last I checked, it was in the 30s <coughs> for critics, and it was about 75 from from audience. So a very big discrepancy. Um, I, I really liked it. I thought it was, I thought it was really good. Um, I was a fan of... Of Unbreakable. Oh, yeah, it is a 36. 36 from critics. Huh. And what's from audience? 76. 76. So, very big. Very, very big, big discrepancy. Yeah. Um, so, I, obviously, I'm a comic book. I'm a comic book guy. You know, I own a comic book store. Um, when Unbreakable came out back in 2000, it was one of my favorite movies. I loved that movie. Sure. Um, for me, that that was what put M. Night Shyamalan on the map for me because I wasn't a big fan of Sixth Sense. You know, a lot of people made a big deal about Sixth Sense and the big twist in it. I thought that movie was not a lot of substance except for the twist, and I, I just didn't really care for it. But when when M Night followed that up with Unbreakable, I'm like, all right, this this is for me. Sure. Um, it's basically a very dramatic look at what the world would be like if there was superheroes. Um, the Bruce Willis character is basically Superman. But, um, you know, instead of depicting him as an alien from another planet who's come here as a foreigner, he makes Superman um, one of us. He's just a working class guy with uh, a family. You know, he's got a wife, he's got a kid, just an average kind of guy. And it's just a very dramatic, real world look at what that would be like to be a superhero. Yeah, you know, the other cool part about it is is i love that he's a superhero but like he not it, it you know when it gets more into like with class but it's not like he's flying around right he's a basic he's like he, they kind of allude to it, glass what they are but he's like the first iteration of what a superhero is like yeah. he's a little strong you know he's stronger he obviously is more strong than a normal human yeah but it's not like he can't get shot like they tell you that like guy can he you I know think, i think he can probably take a bullet. He can take a bullet, but they're still saying he's got he probably shouldn't. Well, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's not defying gravity or anything. No. He's not flying or anything. He's, he's just, he's got super strength. He's unbreakable. Basically. That's the title of the movie. <laughs> um, I love that movie. And I think it was really kind of before it's time. I mean, when that movie came out, 
we didn't have all these superhero movies that we have now, all these Marvel movies and DC right. movies. Um, at the time, the only movies, as far as superhero movies, other than really low-budget, really schlocky kind of stuff, was we had the, the Christopher Reeve Superman franchise, and we had the Tim Burton Batman movies. And you had Blade. Was Blade before that? Okay. Yeah. Blade was like 98, maybe there. Okay. The first one. Sure. I guess you So you got those couple. I guess you can count that. Everybody always, you know, it's funny how many people give credit to Blade for starting the boom. Oh, no way. I, it, it's funny, though. I, you know how many times I've seen that in, like, things where they go, like, when they say, you know, when did superheroes movies really start? X-Men. And they'll throw Blade at the beginning. I'm like, did it? Nobody, I think it was X-Men. You know how many people barely knew? I think it was X-Men, too. You know how many people watched Blade and had absolutely no idea that this was based off a comic book or a superhero? Like, that's just... I think Blade was... I, I would... I mean, it is a comic, but I would probably classify that as more of a vampire movie right. than a superhero movie. Right. Just because it's a comic doesn't really... Blade made his first appearance in a comic called <coughs> Tomb of Dracula. It's, oh, it's, a, it. it's just a vampire comic. Sure. You know? Yeah, it, it's just... I, I, I've seen that so many times, and I just laugh at that. I'm like, I think that's reaching. But yeah, I think X-Men is really what kicked that off. But yeah, sorry, keep going. Yeah. But it was. No, I'm bringing... You know, on a rewatch, and again, you, you like it a, a lot. And I haven't, again, I've seen, I saw Unbreakable once, and I was in high school. So, I mean, that's like 12, 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, man, rewatching it, I know, just had a super fun time. Yeah. As, you know, so here's a funny topic, side topic, is uh, Bruce Willis is one interesting actor. Because he's not necessarily good, but he's bad not acting. bad either. Like, in Unbreakable... He is like the most wooden character. I mean, he, to I, me, he's one of those guys that plays himself. He does. He's, he plays Bruce Willis. He plays <laughs> but in kind of the badass kind of guy. But Unbreakable, upon re, again, this is upon a rewatch. Man, is he wooden. I mean, he just, there's a, that part at the end where he cries. I'm just like, oof. Bruce Willis, don't do that. Just. Just be Bruce Willis. You don't have to fake cry. I, uh, it's just, it's just funny, and it's actually funny that it, he's almost gotten better, kind of, that he's older now. There's something about him being older. He's just, he's so cool. Maybe he's so cool in glass. That beard just looks awesome. Like, you're such a cool man. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that was unbreakable, and then we got split, which we talked a little bit about, and now. Um, they get the big culmination. Yeah, 18 years after Unbreakable, M. Night Shyamalan comes out with, with Glass, which is a sequel to both movies, which I don't think I've ever heard of a movie coming out that was a sequel to two movies like this. Yeah. I mean, I, for the most part, Split is its own movie. Yeah. Unbreakable is its own movie, and this is a, a sequel to both. I've never... Did you... Uh, and I didn't do any reading. It's a question I had. Maybe you know the answer. Did... Going into, like, say, when M. Night Shyamalan finished Unbreakable, was this a plan, or was this a plan way after? Um, I heard that he, this was a plan. Okay. Um, I actually heard that the... I thought I heard that, but I wasn't sure. I heard that the character in Split was actually intended to be in Unbreakable originally, but it just was too much, too much for the one movie. Sure. So he took that character out, but... um, so, so this was all. This was basically his plan: okay. was to give that character its own movie, Good. and then 
bring them together sure. with this one. So, yeah, it was like he had too much content for one movie, so it had to be a trilogy. Okay. But, yeah, it's just kind of interesting the way it's been released and the way it's come together. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, we just had the one movie, and now all of a sudden it's a trilogy kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, out of nowhere, completely. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in this movie, um, basically, um, the Bruce Willis character and the, um, how do you even refer to McAvoy's character? They call him the Horde. The Beast. The Beast. The Beast is one of the personalities. So, the Horde. I mean, that's, that's yeah. the, I think that's the all-encompassing word, right? Kevin Crumb is his name. Right. Basically. Sure. But each personality has a name. Right. So, James McAvoy. <laughs> yeah. Character. So the so the Horde character and the Bruce Willis character are are caught and brought to this facility for mentally ill people, and Mister Glass is there also. They're being kept there and they're being treated as though um, this this idea, is like a psychological mistake. Yeah, like, they think much. they're superheroes and. And Sarah Paulson's trying to tell them that they're not. Right. She she doesn't believe that they actually have any superpowers. She thinks that they're just behaving this way. Right. And she thinks that David Dunn is hurting people. The the unbreakable character. That yes. Is, yes. That he's he's um going out and, and, and beating people up and that he shouldn't be doing that. So, right. The so, justice system should be doing that. Yeah. Because so he's still doing it. He's still working with they show him in the beginning, he's still working with his son. Yeah, and I, I actually like that. They brought back the same actor that was I, in a break. Right, I know. Right when you saw him, I'm like, oh my gosh, they brought the same kid. His eyes. Yeah. Do you look at his eyes? They're like the darkest eyes I've ever seen. Because the first shot of him is staring at the camera. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's what, that's what made because it helped that I watched Unbreakable that day. But I saw his eyes. His eyes are like the, the blackest eyes I've ever seen. And, and that's the only reason why I was like, oh my gosh, it's that kid. Because they have the same, the same eyes. They're so weird. Yeah, but that was cool. They brought back all the, all the main act, well, yep. supporting, which was interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of the actors from, from Unbreakable, yeah. even the comic book shop guy. Yeah, you know, right. Go to the comic shop. Yes. Same guys working there. Yep. Well, and uh, M Night has his cameo again that he had in Unbreakable. Yep. yep. He, he plays. He he likes to give himself cameos in most of his movies, and in Unbreakable, he played a guy that David Dunn busted at the stadium for. I think drugs, yeah, or guns. Uh, one of the two. One of the two. I don't remember. Yeah, and then, um, in in this one, he references that. He says that he. God, I knew you from the stadium. He right. Yeah, he recognizes David Dunn. He says, "I think you busted me years ago." Yeah. But he goes, "I've cleaned myself up since yeah. then." So funny. Yeah. Clever. Yeah. So he plays the same character too. So, um, but I was gonna say I liked that that David Dunn was working with his son and it kind of reminded me of like a, like a sidekick kind of a thing. Yeah. Cause these movies are for me, they're really about relating our superhero idols to our real world and basically making those characters, um, which are, um, you know, fantasy characters in comics, making them feel real. And, in in this movie, him working with his son, it kind of reminded me of like Batman and Robin or something like that. Like a lot of superheroes will have a sidekick, and his son was almost kind of like his sidekick. You know, he was on the computer and helping him with information, and so I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I definitely think him and his son, um, when you put all three movies together, 
by far is the best, uh, for me, was the best part. Um, and we'll get to the ending of how this movie ends, uh, I think, later in the podcast. But uh, that was the one that uh, of a few of the things I did have problems with, but that was one of the things I didn't. Like, I never not was, I was invested in him and his son's relationship um, because of Unbreakable, because of this, where you still have McAvoy's character has that relationship with uh, uh, the girl from yeah. the Split that he kind of let go. And then uh, you have uh, Glass's character with his, his mother, mother, mother yeah. which those two did not land near as hard for me as uh, Bruce Willis and his son's uh, relationship. I thought it worked. I thought it, worked I thought it was fine, fine yeah. but I, I definitely, I just thought theirs was just stronger. stronger. Sure. Yeah. That's fine. Um, yeah, so they, um, so they go to the facility and they're, um, the doctor's trying to convince them that they should recognize that they're not actually powered. And, I don't know, how would you, how would you describe them? Uh, just the, the plot from that point. Um, well, it's going up from like when they get, like when they sit down with the three of them and she's took, mm -hmm. uh, first off, I love the explanation for some of the stuff. Like, we found rock climbing on your computer. I'm like, really? That's, he's doing a lot more than doing that. I'm like, the guy's upside down on ceilings. Moving faster than I've ever seen. In this one, he's, <laughs> he does, yeah, I think he hangs from a pipe. Yeah. He does the crawl the, You're talking about the beast. Yeah, the beast does the crawl. Though. But, but he but, didn't stick to any ceilings, did he? I think he held onto a pipe. When? In this one? Yeah. But he crawls against the wall. They show him in that one video feed at the end. Right. That was but I'm just saying, but, but they were trying to... But yeah, well, that's how. But that's what she's referencing. This yeah. is why you're not superhero. Well, we think that you're just a really good wall climber. Like <laughs> I'm like, I don't think that works. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought <laughs> I just I love that scene, and also love the security guards in the room. Why were they so far away? If if McAvoy wasn't tied down to anything, I know there's lights there. I mean, I, I was just yeah. They, they had some lights <laughs> that they could use to kind to of switches. Um, the um, beast or the horde, right. um, they would hit him with this flash of light and it would kind of do something neurological to him. Right. And that would switches down. and then that would always switches. Yeah. Personality. Yeah. Um, so they use that as a means to control him. Right. And, uh, so yeah, they're in the, I mean, they're in the, the facility and then you are starting to understand that, uh, it's pretty obvious Mr. Class is up to something. He's comatose, quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah, he spends the first hour or so of the movie just, just sitting in his wheelchair. Yeah, just appears to be unconscious. Right, and uh, the workers and security guards in this facility are all dumber than a box of rocks. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, eventually it leads to, I mean, there's no secret that Mr. Glass is not comfortable, so he's going to stay like this the whole movie. Right. It leads to Mr. The Glass. is called Glass, Glass after all. Right. Um, it pretty much turns into Mr. Glass being the villain and his idea is to team up with the beast to uh, go to what's the tower? Um, the Osaka, the, the Osaka tower, tower that's getting built. It's, it's going to be this biggest building. Yeah, and it's going to have this huge debut on TV. And they want to go. And Mr. Glass's idea is to get this on as many cameras as possible to prove that these are people with extraordinary powers. And they're hoping he's hoping that the whole plan is to get him and the beast there, and then um, uh, Bruce Willis, the character, will Don will go and fight him and then it'll be on TV. Like that's the general plan. That yeah, that's the first reveal. And that's the that's the basic reveal of yeah. this is his plan and that's what's gonna happen. 
It's M. Night Shyamalan. Of course this isn't the plan. <laughs> this is not what's going to happen. <laughs> but, uh, so, I mean, that's pretty much the plot of the movie, really. I mean, right there. Um, it's pretty much how they're going to get out of the facility, and that's the ending plan. You know the best part about it? Ah, we got, ah, we'll talk later. Well, the spoiler portion of the review, because I can't say what I was going to say. So, um, I mean, did we miss anything plot-wise there that we can say? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, but going back to Bruce Willis, like, man, he makes a hood and trench coat look awesome. Does he not? It was great when he showed up on screen for the first time. The first time you see him, he's in the trench coat. And he's basically beating up some bad guys. And it was so so satisfying. I mean, it so after, is. After being away from that character for, you know, 18 years since the first one came out. To have him come up on screen and kick ass again was awesome. Yeah, it was great. It was, and I also like the fact that in the right away, with, I mean, within the first fifteen minutes, you get the showdown of the of the beast versus uh, his character. They fought a couple times. They, fight, they do fight a couple times, but that first one gives you that taste. You're just they, like, Ooh. they were amazing action scenes too. You, you know, they really were because they were very basic. They, they weren't. Crazy. They were grounded. They were grounded in they were, reality, but the they stuff were. they were doing was <laughs> was. Ju- and again, this goes back to why I like these the films. Is they're they're superheroes, mm-hmm. but they're not. You know, it's not nuts. There are people that you can tell have special abilities, and that they can do things that a normal person can't. But it's not like it's so absurd, right? Like again, it's not so absurd that you're thinking, "Oh, this is clearly CG." They're not shooting energy beams out of their hands. Exactly. I was just going to say, even that great scene where it's just towards the end, I mean, you know they're going to fight superbly. And Bruce Willis is on one side of the grass, and uh, the Beast is on the other. Yeah. And Bruce Willis is just stoic standing there, and the Beast takes off, you know, when he does the hands. Yeah. That's a great scene. It's in the trailer. You might have seen that in the trailer. Oh, is it? And then they collide, and then it's just like, well, you can tell that he's not human, or a special human because the way he can do that, how fast he is. And then you have Bruce Willis who can throw him into a van and dent the entire side of the van. Right. I'm just like, see, that's fun. I love that kind of stuff. So do I. Yeah, you can you can stay into it because you don't feel like you're looking at special effects. It looked right. all believable. It did. It looked like you were watching um, an unbreakable man fight another man who feels no pain. Right. And they're they're just going at it, balls to the wall, right. and destroying everything in their sight. Yeah. Um, there was a great moment during one of their fights where uh, one of them, I forget who did it first, but one of them picked up this big, like, wooden table, like an oaken table, and threw it. And the other guy just caught, caught it. it. Yeah, it was. Caught it, but yeah. slid backwards yeah. a little bit. Then he took it, chucked it back at the other guy. Yeah. Who then caught it and also slid, slid back, back a little bit. Yeah, that's the very opening fight. That yeah. opening fight's fun. That was so great. <laughs> it is. Like, just little things like that that made it. Made it really just fun to watch and made it um, engaging. And you didn't feel like you were watching these cartoon characters fly around and shoot each other with energy beams. It was like it felt like you were watching something that maybe was real. Yeah, yeah, which is what they did a good job of. Yeah, um, just push the the limits enough of of reality. Yeah. Is it. Um, yeah. No, I I really did like that. And again, going back to my problem with Split is. It's so nice in this movie because James McAvoy, he's just he's on screen less because there's more characters, there's a lot more to do. It's not a it's not an origin story of his character or what's going on. So I was totally able to handle 
the obligatory let's switch his personality a bunch of times just so he can act and act and act. And I was able to handle a lot more in the glass. Besides one time where it's when Mr. Glass is in his room and he's taken down his lights and he keeps making them go off. I'm like, stop. We get it. He can switch his personality and it's James McAvoy acting really well. That was the only time I went, oh, please stop. Just, I know you're doing it. Just do it. Other than that, because that was just one problem I had to split. But other than that, it was good. I And, and he is, man, man, was jacked in this mm. movie. Holy <laughs> The fact that he can pretty much mold his body, like, without his shirt on and he's not the beast, he doesn't look humongous. But man, then when he flexes and forces his veins out and stuff, it's amazing that that's just his body that's monstrous and makes you believe that he can just destroy you. Yeah. Uh, here's the one question I have. So I get the two, but the relationship he has with the girl that he let go because she has the Kevin, you know, with his one personality, Kevin um, from Split. Uh, you know, they have a little bit of a connection here. Mm-hmm. Man, that was pushing my boundaries a little bit. I'm like, I watched him eat some of your friends and murder them. And you're really nice to this guy. After he kidnapped you and then realized he might let you go. I don't know. That was a little tough for me to swallow. Um, I bought it. I mean, yeah. she basically had empathy for him because she, she recognized the different personalities as different individuals. And the Kevin, the Kevin personality, which is like the, the original character. Yep. Um, he, he didn't really, he didn't want to be like that, or he didn't want to have. Right, but he just has no control over it. Right. So he, she was empathetic with that. He still murdered her friends that took her captive. Well, I think in her mind, somebody else murdered her friends. And that's a tough, that's a, I, I get it. I totally get it, but even, and it, it, towards the end, I was okay with it, but the first few times, I'm like, oh, man, that's, that's a tough hurdle for me to jump. Um, but Not for me. I mean, it, at the end of the day, it is a movie, so I... I trust that this is what these characters feel because that that's what they're demonstrating that they feel. It might not be how I would behave in that situation, but that's what that character felt. Yeah. No, I, I again, like she doesn't feel, I mean, she, there's no evolution of why she would feel that way to me. Like she comes in to Sarah Paulson, like telling her and like they have like a discussion. And I mean, she, she has pure empathy for a guy that she hasn't seen that's been caught Ah, man. And again, I guess it is years later, so I mean, I guess people's minds do change. It's amazing what people think and feel after certain tra- traumatic situations, but it's it's a movie. Either way, I'm a, I'm it, a viewer looking it, at it, so. It's a movie, and this character is an empathetic character. That is her character. It's crazy. Yeah, and well, that's fine. I just, it was a hard, it was a hard emotion for me to jump, but um, yeah, no, other than that, though, I mean, um, it, it, I will say it felt a little long at the beginning, but it picked up for me. I loved every moment of it. No, no, and no. When they when they finally got to that part where the three of them were in the room, you know, and she was kind of telling them why that they're not. And that was like an hour in, and I'm like, oh, man, there's. It, I did feel a little, you know, maybe it's because I saw it late at night on a Monday, um, but I, I did feel a little lank there. But in the end, it wasn't uh, no big deal, really. Anything else fun that we can say without uh, getting giving away the too much? Um, I don't think I have much more to say unless we're going to move to the 
to the ending. I mean, and we'll we'll spoil. Uh, we do want to talk a little about the ending. So I think what we're going to do is uh, at the end we're going to give you the end of the podcast. We're going to give you a warning. So if you haven't seen Glass, you don't want it spoiled. We will warn you, and then uh, we'll talk about it. So then you can cut us off so you can listen to the rest. I think. Yeah. So. Basically, all I want to say about the movie was, um, I think. M. Night Shyamalan, he's, he's kind of become typecast as a certain type of filmmaker. Um, you know, you hear, you hear about actors being typecast, but I think M. Night is one of the few filmmakers who is really typecast. When you hear M. Night's name, you have certain expectations. Twist. That's yeah. it. That's like the first thing you think about. Yeah, and I know the critics have been pretty hard on this film, and so I, I looked at some of their reviews um, to see what it was they didn't like, and I hear a lot of them saying the same thing about they felt the ending wasn't impactful enough. Yeah, you know, I, I it, when you said it, I looked yeah. through like I read like through five quick ones. Mm-hmm. That's what everyone said. And I was like, yeah. everyone says that the ending's not impactful enough. It's it's a perfectly fine ending. Yeah. It, it it goes with this story, and um, if you're expecting something because it's M Night and you're expecting the movie to suddenly transform into a different movie, um, yeah, you might not get that. I think it's but. because it feels kind of old school. Like the, and I guess we'll, again we'll talk about the end of the, is that the the quote unquote twist isn't that much of a twist really. It's not something you don't kind of see coming. I mean, if you get the characters, it's, it's a perfectly fine. Yeah, uh, but again, I think I think he's built up the expectation of yeah, and you know that's that is his that's part of his fault too. Is I mean we should expect it. That I think that's an unfair assumption. I think it's unfair to explain But, it. um, it is what he did for, like, five movies in a row. And people expected it, I think so he, he started pushing it over and over and over again. I think he did it because it was expected of him. I think when Sixth Sense was a big hit. That was it. I mean, that, that wasn't his first film. That was actually, I think, like his third film. Right. But that was the first one that was a big hit for him. So I'm sure that the studios that he was working with were like, do that again. We want to hire you to do that. Thing. Well, that's what made that movie tons of money. Yeah. It made him famous. So he did that, you know, a few times. He tried to, but... Well, and, you know, um, and then when you look at, you know, if you look at some of his other movies, they're not like that or like the signs. There's yeah. not a big reveal there. No. It's, here's the alien that ends with like the dumbest scene ever. Um, but I love signs. I, I like them. I love signs, too. I like too. how it came together. I do, too. Um, and, you know, I think he gets a lot of... Really, it's the two. There's the two movies that have the big twist endings that people didn't like that got it, got him even, and that was Village and Happening. And those are the two movies, because remember, that was his little period where people were like, ugh, here comes these movies with a, a twist. And those well, are the movies you were totally waiting for. It wasn't just M. Night that was doing them, too. I think other movies started jamming twists into their movies. Like Saw? Well, Saw works. Most of the time. But um, what was that one? I forget the name of it. I think you brought it up on the podcast before, but it, it took place at like a motel and it had like... Oh, Identity. Identity. Yeah. That one had a Sixth Sense type twist in yeah. it. Yeah. Um, there was a few of them that came out right around that time that were all trying to do it. Which I think like, that's what got people to... I think people liked... You know, I'm sure the studios love the fact that... I mean, like you said, we mean you have had this discussion. Sixth Sense is a... Without the twist, is nothing there. Right. The twist is what made the movie famous. Yeah. It, it, they, they created, and which is good. I mean, I guess if I was a filmmaker and I, my movie is now known forever and has a quote that people know, like if somebody says, I see dead people to you, you have 
made a pretty important thing there. But, um, now you, yeah, the expectation was that, you know what, this is funny, just, just, I don't think you, I think I mentioned it to you and you said you hadn't seen it. This is funny, and I, I, I always care about audience and critics, but the fact that critics are complaining that this twist isn't, isn't there, not good enough, or whatever, that movie, The Visit, that he did about three or four years ago, where the kids go visit their grandparents, mm-hmm. the twist isn't major in that. There's not, I mean, it's, it's kind of like this one. You can kind of guess where it's going. And then when you get there, it's not like, you know, a 90 degree angle, like 90 degree turn. You know, the plants aren't killing people in it. You know, it's pretty subtle and easy. And people love that. And I, that's why I liked it. I'm like, thank you for not jamming some ludicrous ending on it's just because you felt you had to. Yeah, I thought the visit was good. I actually watched it yesterday. Oh, did you? Okay, cool. Um, well, this movie got me interested in M. Night Shyamalan again. Um, for a while there, I think I'd kind of gotten bored of his movies, especially around the time Happening came out. Um, and then I saw Devil, which I, I know he, uh, didn't, he didn't write or do Yeah, but then he, he produced it. He, they put his name on it. That's, which means he gave it some money. Right. Um, that was a Did terrible you, movie. It was terrible. Did you watch... Uh, Lady of the Water? I didn't see that one. That's one of his... I, you know why? No offense. Because it, it came out in that. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't look great. So I was like, I just don't need to watch it. I, don't think. I just didn't really know what it was about. Nothing about it. it kind of grabbed me. Same. So I, I'd kind of gotten a little bit bored of, of M. Night's movies. But um, this one actually got me really interested in him again. I think Unbreakable was always my favorite movie of his. And this is a great sequel to Unbreakable. And so to revisit that, for me, was really... Really wonderful. I had a lot of fun with it. And what I really kind of realized about M. Night is that, you know, maybe not all of his movies are great movies, but one thing that you can say about M. Night Shyamalan is that he makes very original movies, and that's something that I really appreciate. There's so many movies that come out that are just based on other things, um, you know, sequels, and, and um, or even just a plot that you recognize, you know. And M. Night really does original stories. And when you're entering uncharted territory like that and not using a formula that's been proven to work, yeah, some of them aren't going to be great. Some of them aren't going to be well-received. But I really appreciate that M. Night makes original movies. And so this movie reminded me of what I appreciated about him, and it got me interested in him again. And I looked up his resume to see what other movies he's done recently that I might have missed. And The Visit was one of them. And so I did go check that out, and I liked it. Um, I don't know if I'd watch it twice. No. But, I mean, I was engaged the whole time. I had a good time with it. And, um, you know, it's my understanding that he is self-financing, or at least in, in part self-financing these movies, Glass and The Visit. I believe he... Interesting. He, yeah, he basically paid to have them made. I mean, I think Glass was like a co uh, sure, I would think after the popularity of Split that somebody would give him some money. Yeah, I think the studio put up part of it, but he also put up a lot of it himself. Isn't it amazing, even uh, directors like M. Night, who has a 50-50 track record, let's just say that, mm-hmm. um, can still have troubles funding movies through a studio. Isn't that funny? Um, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you've, I'm sure you've heard the stories before where a big-name director has an idea for a movie. Well, I think I know what it is. It's... it's it's because it's a, a, an idea that hasn't been proven. That's exactly M, M. Night says, I got this brand new thing. And yeah. they go, well, we don't want to take a risk. Right. Why don't you do, uh, you know, a, a, another another Ghostbusters or whatever. Well, it was you the same with uh, uh, 
Martin Scorsese with Hugo. He had to put a bunch of his own money because they're like, wait a minute. You you make Goodfellas. Right. Give me more Goodfellas. Right. Well, I want to make a kid's movie. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, studios don't like to take chances. And M. Yeah. Night is a guy that takes chances. And I think, um, you know, the fact that he puts up his own money to get these movies made, I think is it really shows how passionate he is about these projects. And um, it's, it's, it's something I really like about him. So I think... Hey, and you know the other good thing about it is, as a director, it's hard to become a household name. Like, if you watch movies, how many movies do people watch? Uh, the average person. How many movies do they watch? Even if you say the director, like say they say Adam McKay, they might have known the name. But do they really know who Adam McKay is at all? Mm-hmm. But there's directors out there. Martin Scorsese, the Coens, MHM with Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. People know them. Right. I can't say that. That's a bad thing, can you? No. I mean, so he must be doing something right. Yeah, it does kind of create expectations, though, which is unfortunate. I think you really got to go to his movies a little bit with an open mind. Sure. And understand that you're going to get something that maybe hasn't been done before. It might not be what you expect. But I know, and maybe <laughs> and maybe this is just spitballing. You know, and I didn't watch class and think it was, and this is only speaking towards, again, just because it's in the, the twist. I think that's it. The, the twist isn't really original i mean that twist is you could kind of probably figure it out but that's not the point i, I think thought there was we're trying to get i thought across. there was a message to glass sure and we'll talk about that when we talk yes. about the ending a little that's, bit because that's what we need to talk about um, more I, or less is the message i actually like the message of the movie um we'll, t- we'll, get we'll, we'll talk about that we'll talk about it in a bit but first before we talk about it the big uh netflix documentary that had everyone buzzing for about a week and now it's Pretty much over, but is uh, fire the festival that never happened? Is that what's? That's pretty sure it's what it's called. Fire, right? Yeah, the, the party greatest, that the greatest, greatest party, party that, that never happened. happened. Fire festival. Um, so I talked to. I, I think I did. I tag you in that trailer. What we yeah. Through? Okay. So uh, I was just scrolling through my Facebook. Netflix uploaded this trailer. Fire hit, and I immediately caught my because I remember the fire festival disaster. Um, I remember seeing the picture of the of the sandwich. In the in the styrofoam container, yeah, it was advertised as a concert, like a weekend of music on a private island in the Bahamas with beautiful hot women, and beer and party, and right? Expensive. <laughs> I mean, it was what you want, right? I mean, that couldn't possibly be false advertising, right? No, no. I can show up there and expect, expect- supermodels to be hanging off me. Right. For eight of the most hanging famous off, supermodels. Hanging off the back of my jet ski. Uh, right? Man, I, the, I hope that's so. Good. That's what I'm going to experience You know what? There, right? For, for uh, $24,000 to rent the villa, uh-huh. I sure hope you get that. Yeah. And let's take a guess. Where did this story go? None of those things happened. What? So, what? So, really, it's a documentary of... Um, actually, two came out. And the quick, uh, if anybody doesn't know that. So, what happened was is uh, Netflix announced their documentary in, like, December. Like with about a month, you know, lead up that they're going to release this fire, and then about three days before Netflix released theirs, Hulu just throws one on their uh, channel, and people are like, "That's weird that there's two documentaries about the exact same thing within days of each other." Mm-hmm. So Hulu must have obviously been making this, and then it was like, "Oh, they have a release date," 
we obviously aren't Netflix. We'll just drop it and see what people say. So Netflix looks like they're the ones that are copying and who knows which one actually started first. It really does look like the Hulu one was started first by the way the interviews are. And well, the they probably independently they did. started working on their documentary. And I'm sure so. they did. And you know that because uh, the docs do overlap a lot. Uh, some of the interviews are the same people. And you can tell that in the Hulu one, those people are giving that interview for like the first time because of the way they're talking about it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll, we'll spend a little more time on the Netflix one. So, yeah, so it starts off with, uh, you know, the good thing about the Netflix one is uh, it's uh, the Fuck Jared, which is the name of the website. Jerry. Jerry. Fuck Jerry. And uh, they're pretty much their sole job is to publicize on the Internet. That's what they do. That's how they got famous, even though really all they do is post memes. And that's what they do. They were, like, mm-hmm. pretty much the first site to become the meme site. And... They teamed with uh, Brian, that's the guy's name, who started the Firefest, right? Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, right? That's his name, right? McFarland. Uh, Billy. Billy. Billy McFarland. He's this rich entrepreneur that got famous in, uh, off creating this uh, credit card, this metal credit card that would get you into these clubs and this private room and stuff if you use this card in big cities. Um, we learned that that never really happened. but um, And so he teams with Ja Rule. To create this fire festival. And pretty much they have like five months. They announce it. He bought this island that was Pablo Escobar's Supposedly island. Supposedly bought it. Supposedly bought it. Everything needs to be said in quotes. <laughs> like, just imagine everything we say that Billy has done. Put quotes around him. Or, or an asterisk at the end of all of it. Because you're not quite sure. Um, and so they have pretty much have, what, four months. They put the tickets on sale. They cut, created this commercial with these supermodels to show... Gorgeous beaches, big party, come swim. And uh, then they threw these expensive, insane tickets out to come see, like, you know, uh, 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 gosh, the Kardashians and Blink-182. They're all going to be there. And rent villas and stuff. And then they sold, oversold tickets. Like, I think they were only supposed to take a couple hundred. They took, you know, like hundreds and hundreds of people they shouldn't have taken. They didn't have space. And they pretty much sold tickets without having anything planned. Really, that's the gist. Is they sold millions of dollars worth of tickets and stuff uh, to a festival that really had nothing set up yet. Mm-hmm. So they had four months, and this is the story. And the fuck Jerry, this is all their footage because this is produced and made by them, from what I know. Um, so they have footage from the very beginning with Billy showing the commercial. And then they have footage all the way up until the day the festival happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, pretty much you see um, the frustration of the people that worked with Billy uh, that told them that this wasn't going well. They talked to some of the locals that you know live on the island that are getting paid to work around the clock, getting paid, again on quotes, um, to build stages. To They don't have anything ready. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Well, the first thing that really goes wrong is they get kicked off the island. Oh, that's right. They, Sorry. They're not even on the island they, claim, they proposed. They claim they had bought this island for like, I don't know, so many millions or so whatever. Millions. And um, they get kicked off because they were advertising right. it as uh, Pablo Escobar's island. Which they were not supposed to do they when, they t- bought, when they quote unquote bought the island. Yeah, they were told not to use that in the, in the, in the advertising. So they were, they were kicked off the island. And so they were scrambling to find a new location. Um, they had advertised the 
the concert as being on a private island. It ends up being on the mainland, uh, on the beach. During the worst weekend they could have picked, because the beach has this uh, sailboat like the, this, that brings in thousands of people. So this is a yearly thing. So every hotel is already booked. Yeah. All the private rooms are booked. All the restaurants are booked and reserved. So now they've moved to an island that they literally have no place to put people on. Not even an island, but... No, yeah, right. Yeah, but, the um, yeah, the mainland. Um, yeah. So they, they set up all these, like, these little white tents, which were, I guess, intended to be, like... They're hurricane relief tents. Yeah, disaster relief tents. <laughs> they set up, like, hundreds of these... And they put like a pillow and a mattress in each one of them. That was it. And when you look at the advertising for this, that's definitely not what they're advertising. Yeah, people thought they were getting like villas and. Oh yeah. Well, and then they're selling, you know, two hundred fifty thousand dollars for the for the weekend for a, for a you know a private house that they don't have. That they're yeah. going to people on the mainland, trying to pay them to let their house get rented out. Yeah, as as things start spiraling, they. They start to pull scams in order to come up with money to pay for the other scam that, you know, it's it's one of those deals where it's just like, oh, this this failed. Now we need money to pay for this thing, which we need to pull money from somewhere. Yeah. So we're coming up with a new lie, and then we need to make money to pay for that lie. Yeah. It just and it it kind really of spirals. And there's a few times where they show Billy getting the money, and mm-hmm. and they kind of they talk to a few of the interviewers, and they're even like, the guy can get money. He can get millions. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's obviously a great talker yeah. because he can get people to give him millions of dollars up front after he's already lost millions of dollars and just keep doing it and doing it, which is crazy. The other thing about it is, is I know if you haven't seen it, you wonder how people kept, but he's one of them guys that it's interesting to see what people will follow. Like people's even up to the last day, even though, you know, some of these people knew this was going to be a disaster. Just a disaster. That people still were like, we'll follow Billy until this disaster happens. It's just like, oh my God. Well, the one guy had told him flat out, he said, there's no other option but to cancel this cancel. Right. That was the only guy that, to me, I was like, I don't want to punch this guy in the face. Because some of these other people were just mediocre. Um, but that guy was great. I mean, they didn't have bathrooms ready. Yeah. I mean, everything was, wasn't ready. They advertised um, catered food. Some fancy restaurant was going to cater everything and do sushi and everything. And they ended up serving, like Dustin mentioned earlier, it was like a piece of bread and a piece of lettuce. Well, a styrofoam they, they showed some of the bills and the original food, because he wanted, like you said, the sushi, came out to like $12 million. Yeah. And they were like, you only have a million bucks for food. And they were like, oh, and then that's what turned out to be. And well, then they had to find the caterer because they had to cancel the caterer like three mm-hmm. weeks before. You don't get a caterer to cater a million dollars worth of food in three weeks, and that one guy does, and that's why they got sandwiches. And the big quote of the movie, the reason why that sandwich is so important is it said that what it took a you know a bunch of supermodels millions of dollars to build this festival. It took one Instagram photo of a toast on. Uh, with lettuce on a piece of styrofoam to take the whole festival down. Yeah, because once it, once people got there and saw what was actually going on, you know, that somebody had tweeted a picture of their sandwich that they were served, and um, yeah, it was just a disaster. <laughs> the the tents that they set up for all these people to stay in, um, there was a storm that came through, like the 
day that the people were supposed to arrive and soak the mattresses and pillows and you know i think if that storm doesn't go through i think the festival happens you know once you really think about it because that storm is what just i mean it blew the, t the tents were soaked the mattresses the pillows were messed up it was muddy it made everything dreary i think if the storm doesn't happen and it's still gorgeous weather i think people even with the tents would have sucked it up as long as the uh, musician showed up. No, I think you're wrong, and I was just going to say... is That's the other the, caveat. The, <laughs> if the musician showed up. The the bands all started canceling because they hadn't been paid. So that was a big part of the problem, too. Sure. <laughs> and uh, they, they hadn't, but that doesn't... Uh, yeah. Well, and it was because of the social media that night. Because yeah. the first night there was no music. And then within... Well, I guess Blink-182 canceled before... People they were the there. first one to cancel. And then everyone else followed suit pretty yeah. fast. Once once a couple hashtags went out and a couple pictures, it was pretty quick. Yeah, I think when people showed up, saw what was actually being offered, and the fact they hadn't been paid, I think was a big part of it. They sure. just, the bands all pulled out, and that's really what canceled the, right. the concert. I don't think the storm did it. I think that just was icing on the cake yeah. to make, make everybody that much more miserable. Because now you, well, because the one guy makes. How would you feel if you showed up? And you're supposed to. You're expecting a villa. And you get a tent with a soaking wet mattress. So my first thought was, you know, the one guy makes a good point about like Woodstock back in like the Sopranos, a different time. Um, you know, Woodstock or was a was a mess. It was just mud. Everybody slept on the ground, but nobody cares because it was a great time and everybody got really high and messed up. It's a different time period, obviously. But I did have that thought. Like, if the music showed up. Say the music got paid. Say everything else was the same. No food, crappy shelter, mediocre weather. Most people aren't going to get their villas. All the bad, everything else. But if the music showed up, I wonder if people would. I mean, people would still complain. But if it you got been, a concert. It would have been some kind of show. And I think that's what Billy was banking on the whole time. I think so. When the bands canceled, that was. That was it. He, he they showed him he cried at that point yeah i think that's when he knew there wasn't going to be a festival i think up to that point he was doing all he could to put on some sort of show salvage something from this sure but with no music there's no show no yeah so that's what i mean and then you know so you watch this kind of up and down fall and uh again ja rule is in this a lot because ja rule is like the hype man who likes billy and um you know he kind of uh he was his sidekick throughout this whole thing, and I, I think uh, he kind of takes no responsibility and doesn't realize it was a bad thing. But you know, you got to feel bad for. And again, that's a part. The part of the Hulu one that's really important is um, the the Netflix one. Really makes it. I love the Netflix one because it. Uh, I like how it talked to the locals that worked on it. Didn't get mm -hmm. paid. Um, did you see that? You know that one lady who runs that restaurant. Yeah. And she tells that story at the end of like I lost so much. Did you see that somebody started a kick, like a GoFundMe for her? Oh, really? And she's already made her. She said in the, and she said she lost like a hundred some thousand dollars. She's already overmade all the back, which was nice <laughs> because she is the one that you felt really bad for because mm -hmm. she kind of got jammed into it for no reason. Um, How much I, did Ja Rule kick in? Uh, <laughs> ja Rule, who who after the docs came out, and Ja Rule is, I mean, literally looks like the dumbest person on the planet after these are done. I got conned too. No, you didn't. You were in every meeting with everything Billy did. You didn't get conned. You were just a hype man who didn't have financial investment 
because you were the guy that was just hanging out, having a party. Because that's really what happened. It was four months. They had the, the mainland, and they got to party for four months. And make it, and they were celebrities. You know, They had this festival. This was going great. That's why whenever it got bad, Billy would get on a four-wheeler or a jet ski and just go party somewhere. Um, the Hulu one really focuses on uh, like millennials that would spend all this money to go to something like this. I think that's kind of their... Uh, that's probably the different edge that they have than the Netflix one is, um, you know, what do these rich kids have to do other than spend all this money? And they kind of do talk about how the media and social media loved it. Like they show all the tweets of people like, well, I guess if you have this much money, this is what you deserve. It's like, not really. If you have the money, you can do whatever you want. I don't agree with that. If, if no. somebody has money and they want to spend it to go to a show, yeah. uh, they should get what's advertised. I mean, that's, of course, I don't think it's fair to, you know, that's one thing that some people do in society is they like to take people down right. when they're when they're when they're, so, down. when they're on a well, when they're on a pedestal. Right. It's like it's like oh you're 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 rich and you, you know so so therefore it's okay that you get crapped on. No, sure. no, that's not okay. Yeah, it, it it's not. But that was uh and you know it's not what Hulu was saying if they were just showing that part of it. Um, and their doc also follows a lot on how the media blitz of the orange Instagram posts that they had and how they paid. Yeah. They basically advertised it by just orange showing a orange square. Right. With the word fire. Yep. Which and that's what everybody was tweeting. Yeah. And Hulu focuses a lot on the marketing and how the marketing was so good that it didn't matter what was really almost being sold other than, cause you know, if you really think about it too, the, it sold, it had one commercial Mm-hmm. That sold a nice island, beautiful women, and a party. Mm-hmm. And then they had bands. Other than that, they didn't sell a whole bunch for that much money, right? I mean, I thought that. Like, as I was going through, I'm like, if you're going to drop $300,000 on this, I'm like, is it even, even if you had the money, is it, was it worth, like, even if you got exactly what was advertised, I mean, it's not that much different than half the stuff that still happens. It's just you're on this. Island. That well, when you say three hundred thousand, I mean that must have been for some sort of VIP package. Still, the typical package was um, like a grand, which was well, not bad. I I actually saw an interview on just on YouTube. It wasn't part of the documentary where um, this girl was talking about her experience of having been there, and she said that some of her friends went in on it together, and they ended up paying about five hundred dollars each. Oh yeah, that's right. So some of these people they. They probably thought that, you know, hey, 500 bucks for a weekend of music and on the beach, it's going to be a good time, you know, and, you know, bring a little bit extra for some spending cash. And so it's not, it's not like these were all rich people that were going to it. Right. Um, well, I would assume a ticket, say you've spent 500 or a thousand on a ticket. I would assume it doesn't include the flight and stuff. So that has to just be the ticket. Probably. So I mean, so say even that's five grand, that's not that bad. That's a cruise. There's a lot of cruises that do it. Um, But so I know we'll um, get to the one part that John really loves. So this all goes under. This goes terrible. So Billy is currently indicted, but he's out on parole because, you know, he, he, you know, he's bang. He he doesn't have the money. So what would you do if you're on parole for fraud and ruining a bunch of people's, you know, you owe millions of dollars to people probably, I don't know go hang out somewhere, probably stay on the down low. But just because I know it's made John happy. What did Billy do instead? Well, he asks a camera crew to follow him around 24-7 while he commits 
another fraud. (laughs) He starts selling um, tickets to events that not only does he not have tickets to, there are events that don't even offer tickets. Right, like the Grammys. Yeah, explicit things. You can't buy a ticket to the Grammys. Yeah, different things like that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Victoria's Secret Fashion Show and stuff like that. He's selling tickets, VIP tickets to these things, and he definitely doesn't have them. So, <laughs> but he's using some other guy. And he's then using they, another guy to front. And front then they it, email blast the Firefest people with them. Yeah, that is insane. Uses, uses the Firefest mailing list. <laughs> and so, hey, I got this deal. Uh, I got courtside tickets. I got VIP backstage tickets. What do you need? I can get you in. <laughs> Unbelievable. He's selling fraudulent tickets. Yeah. So, pretty much, long story short, he gets. Uh, he gets arrested and he's in prison for six years. Mm-hmm. So the only thing that the Hulu doc has that the Netflix one does not is Billy. Billy is not interviewed in the Netflix one that mm-hmm. we're talking about. Uh, the Hulu one's called Fire Fraud. Um, he is interviewed, but you can tell that he's not. He doesn't say anything. He just doesn't. He. It's kind of interesting to see the look in his eye when he talks about the fest. The way he talks about it is like it's the greatest thing that he ever did. He doesn't say anything negative about it. He thinks about all the great ideas he had, how interesting it was, how much fun it was. And then it gets to the point in the doc where he's like, they're like, well, what about all this? And he just kind of goes silent. That's it. So they had an interview with Billy, which was interesting, but ah, he's not that interesting because he doesn't want to say anything. He even admits there's a cut. Like he asked him questions. He's like, yeah, I'm just not going to answer that because he, it's almost like in his mind, he's glorifying the fun and all the bad stuff that he's in prison for. He just is going to ignore because it's more fun to think about the fun stuff, really. Um, but the Netflix one's good. I mean, it's pretty fun and it's an interesting story. I mean, we talked about it for a while, but yeah, so watch it. Why not? Nothing wrong with it. For me, it was one of the best horror films I've ever seen. <laughs> you knew that this. And you know what's coming. Yeah, that's what it is. It's, <laughs> there's this um, impending doom as you see the festival failing and you see the um, the amenities that they're setting up for these people, which is nothing. And um, you know that these people are, are heading there. They're flying there. They're being bussed in. And they're not going to have any way to get back out. That that's the other big thing is yeah. there is no exit plan. No, like, that would piss me off. It's not like you're you flew to California, you know, mm-hmm. and you know you're in the states. You got flown to a just a place, yeah, and now you're stuck. That that makes it even double worse. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was awful to it's to awful. witness. It's pretty bad, um, but uh, it was scary. I was glad I wasn't there. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't. Uh, I'm glad I didn't go pay a bunch of money to go see Blink 182 and Kanye West. Was Kanye going to be there? Well, that was the the Hulu one goes a little more in detail with that. But yeah, it's not. I don't know anything about Kanye besides who Kanye is. Uh, he has like a group that he's involved in, and that group was advertised. I don't know what it's called. So it wasn't Kanye West on the poster. It was this other group. But Kanye's okay. involved with those people. But they even said that Kanye was in no way going to be there. But they advertised Kanye because of the group being there. And, like, Kanye's associated with them. So everybody's like, oh, Kanye's there. And they're like, yeah, no, he wasn't. Kanye was never going to be there. Just because Kendall Jenner put one twi- one Instagram picture, 
doesn't mean anything. I think they also said that she got paid $350,000 for that one Instagram. Uh, well, it's advertising. Man, it's crazy. You know, um, millions of people. Well, they, she it. also got 9 million likes on it. That's yeah. insane. So, yeah, go see that or just sit at home and watch it. Um, I think that is probably where we'll end. But if you want to stay on, listen to us talk about class for a couple more minutes while we talk about the ending. Um, you can stay. Click the 10 second button or whatever on your phone or laptop. And, uh, 10 seconds. Yeah, you have that little. Do you ever listen to podcasts on your phone? There's oh, a the ten second forward. forward, fast forward. You know, oh, just I, click it once. Yeah, and it'll skip right, skip right to it. Um, but they're gonna need to fast forward more than ten seconds. For the, I'm talking about just a break here. Okay. So say, do your sign off. Right. Thanks for listening. Yay! I'm confused. <laughs> just do it. Okay. If Thanks. you're gonna listen, we're gonna have John say sign off, and then if you want to stay listening. Just give us like five seconds. If not, shut it off, and we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks for listening. And we're still here. <laughs> we are. That's it. So we're here. We haven't gone anywhere. We have not. So we're going to talk quick, the ending of glass, um, which, again, there's not much to say. It's not like it's that insane of a twist, but it's just enough where you don't want to say it and ruin it for everybody, right? Right. So you can say it. So basically... Um, well, there's a there's a couple of reveals. There's you find out that um, the the doctor, uh, the woman that's trying to convince them that that um, they are not actually super powered, is in a sense kind of the villain. She's actually part of a group, like a secret society of people that are in place to try to. They they don't think that superpowered people they fear them basically pretty much they fear them and they want to kind of take them down and kind of keep them under control and the way they do that is by convincing them that they're not really superpowered um so she's part of the secret society and um ultimately glass mr glass what his plan was was to expose to the world this information that superpowered people really do exist and the way that he went about doing that was um, the facility that they were in was filled with security cameras. And he was able to get out of his cell and sort of hack their system so that those videos were being streamed to a, a like a something he must have set yeah, up. Some other site. Yeah. So, so in the end of the movie, um, during the the fight between Bruce Willis and the Beast, um, Mr. Glass is killed, and the Secret Society drowns David Dunn, yep. and the Beast um, gets shot. Yeah, he gets killed too. Pretty easy. Goes down a little too simple, but that's okay. But the information does get out, yep. and um, the video of everything that happened does get out to the public, and so they... They do die, but they um, are able to get their message out to the world that there are super pe super powered people, and you should, if you are one of them, believe in right. yourself and not let not let um, these types of organizations hold you down or tell you that you're not super. Yeah, and the way that organization, there's the one couple parts where they meet up, but the one at the end, they kind of allude to the fact that there's more like out there. It's not just these three. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, yeah, which I thought was interesting. I was, uh, you know, I thought that was an interesting way to go about it. I mean, 
the, the reason why I think people are against the twist is because it's literally Mr. Glasgow, and instead of because the whole point was you know he was going to have them fight at the, the Osaka Tower, so mm -hmm. and all the cameras are there, but really he used the cameras at the facility. Yeah, like because I mean she says it right there. Why would he go through the basement? All the cameras are there, you know, and that's a part at the end. It's like if you didn't click that in your mind, like that was my first thought. I'm like he went into the basement in front of everyone. I'm like. There's obviously a reason for this. He's not that dumb. He's the, his superpower is the fact that he's freaking smart. Right. Um, so obviously putting it all together, the only problem I had with the end, um, I understood why it needed to be there, but they really had a lot of uh, dialogue that was said to you that you could have just watched. Like there was a couple moments where he's like, they openly say like in the heat of intense moments, well, in the comic books. This is where it says this, this, this. I see that. You don't have to say it, which is just a frustration thing I have with a lot of movies. But uh, um, other than that, because there's a couple times where I'm like, don't need it. That dialogue did not need to be written. I'm watching it. I have eyes. Um, but again, that's where it came out to when I when I, you know when he, when you had Mr. Glass and his and his mom. That's the moment where I was like, them drowning Bruce Willis and his son being there and. You know, here's here's one other thing I just want to say. Is so she tells the staff of the you know don't say what you saw here. This is going to hurt the patients. And mm -hmm. what about the Bruce Willis's is, kid? Yeah. He's just let go. Like he's not going to say anything to the world that they just drowned his dad. His dad has superpowers. And like that was one thought I had. I'm like, what's stopping them three from telling everyone? If my dad has superpowers and got drowned in front of me, <laughs> I wouldn't just go home and go, she got me. That was the one odd thing I thought. Like, I'm like, why did they trust this kid to not go? Maybe they didn't. Maybe they were going to put a bullet in him when no one was looking. Yeah. You know, and I had that thought, too. I'm like, there was a little part missed there of why they would let them three go, who were the three closest people to these three characters, and just assume that they weren't. That was a probably missing link there. But Or you could also look at it as... Um, they just trusted that society would think um, that these are crazy people. You know, you can you can talk sure. about you can talk about somebody being superpowered, sure. But if you can't demonstrate it, you just look like a crazy. Yeah, person. Uh, yeah, you're right. And that's the thought I had. I'm like, you know, it's that's probably what they would get looked at either way. But uh, other than that, no, I thought the the messaging at the end was very was very neat. Yeah, it was a, it was a good message, and it was kind of I thought symbolic of just. You know this idea that don't let um, don't let groups of people sort of hold you back from your full, um, full potential. Full potential. I thought it was a great message, and I think it can be applied to a lot of things. And um, you know, it actually got me thinking about um, M Night. You know, he. <clears throat> I was doing a little reading on him, and his family are are all doctors. His okay. parents are both doctors, and they wanted him to be a doctor, of course. Shocker. And he wanted to be a filmmaker, you know. And I thought, I wonder if a little bit of that is coming through sure. with, this, with this message that he, you know, he believed in himself. Now, if he had trusted, or if he had sort of succumbed to other people's wishes, he'd probably be a doctor right now. We wouldn't sure. have this movie. But he believed in himself that he could be a filmmaker. And look at how well he's doing. Um, one of the few, like you mentioned, one of the few name household name filmmakers. Right. Now. Uh, so if he if he had listened to his parents, he wouldn't be where he's at right now. So there's some of that in there, and um, I really like that. Uh, he kind of shows that 
anyone can be a superhero, even if you're uh, physically disabled, like Mr. Glass. Or a villain. Um, well, I think that's part of it, too, is you... Are you referring to Mr. Glass? No, I'm referring to the Beast. The Beast. Um, I think Mr. Glass... I mean, Mr. Glass is promoting that there's people with powers, but he's not saying who's good and who's bad. Yeah, you, you can be... Uh, you can be a hero or a villain um, based on the choices you make. I thought that Mr. Glass got redemption in this one. Um, you know, one of his last lines in the film was when he's talking to his mom and and um, I forget the question he asked her, but she, she, he basically says, was, was I, did I do good kind of a thing? And she says, you were spectacular. Right. You know, and it's basically her, her um, you know, I think he, wa- I think he wanted to, affect the world and i think in unbreakable he was a little misguided with his efforts but i think in this one right right in this one for me i felt like he found redemption right um i think he died a hero to me he did um sure so yeah so there's just a lot of stuff that i really liked about it and it all felt very much like a comic book you know the twists um the hidden meaning that's the kind of stuff you get when you read a comic book. Sure. So this movie to me really showed that M. Night Shyamalan was passionate about comics and passionate about these characters and this story. And, um, you know, I think the best movies are the ones that are, are made because the person really has a story they want to tell. I think that's what M. Night does. He has stories he wants to tell you and you might not like all of them, but I think he, for me, he's, He's one of my favorite filmmakers um, because of that. Sure. You know, I might not like his next 10 movies, but I'll, I'll say, hey. <laughs> At least you can admire him. I can admire the fact that he's out there making original movies, sure. stories that he wants to tell, self-financing a lot of them. And, I mean, that's what that's what being an artist and a filmmaker, I think, is all about. Sure. You know. Yeah. No. I, uh, you, you, you hit the good points. I agree. Uh, but, yeah. No, I overall... I overall liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really, really good. It's good. One of the better films I've seen in a while, which ain't saying a lot, but I really liked it. I'm looking forward to when it comes out on Blu-ray so I can buy it and watch it again. (laughs) Probably watch it. And I also liked how it was nice that it, that it, I don't know why, but it's such a blockbuster movie thing. Now you expect it to have more and it just ended kind of dark while still getting your redemption at the end. And it was nice that it didn't tell me that, hey, there might be another one. You probably could make another one and figure it out. Well, the fact that the message got out. Yeah. The fact that the message got out to society, um, you can believe that um, others will come forward now and demonstrate their powers and realize that, hey, I do have powers and I'm not going to hold them back anymore. I'm not going to let people tell me I don't. Um, I really, I liked that... uh, this movie kind of expanded the universe that he's created. He introduced like that, that society that the doctor was a part of. They give you just enough that you kind of want to know more about him. Right. Um, so there's some, some of that, you know, kind of expanding his universe. And I like that. Um, you know, I mentioned before that unbreakable was a little bit before it's time. It came out before superhero movies were as big of a deal as they are now. And now, Marvel and DC are starting to do these cinematic universes where the characters cross over into different movies. Right. And M night kind of did that a little bit with this. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. I also thought it was kind of funny. Um, is 
on the they showed it like three or four times but there's the like usa today and it's talking about the osaka tower and they call it a marvel yeah in the biggest letters that are underlined i'm like that's not hidden there there's no. a reason why that's the word they used yeah to some, promote that i'm like fun references. clever i was like i was like that's not just coincidence there but yeah another fun one too um they mentioned that the cover of action comics number one which depicts superman lifting a car was kind of what set the whole superhero thing in motion. They kind of mentioned, they bring that up in the movie. Oh, okay. And then the the footage that you see at the very end that reveals that these characters are superpowered, one of the shots is of the beast lifting a car. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Funny. it's, and they, they do kind of talk about how comics might be, um, based on true stories that occurred that people are translating into comic form in order to tell these stories. So I think they're kind of suggesting that this stuff with, with David Dunn and the beast could have actually happened. That was then translated into comic form with like your action comics and your Superman and that kind of thing. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, the other love, and again, the last little thing that I just thought was kind of fun was again, because I watched a break right before was, you know, the, the evolution of, the comic shop because of the last 15 years of the internet marvel was you know unbreakable it's a comic book store you know it's dingy it's it's what you would quote unquote think you know just white boxes everywhere comics on the walls and then the first comic book store you see in glass hot figures everywhere <laughs> action figures in the back and then in the very back is the comics and i laughed you know granted later in glass they're in an actual you know they're in like a diehard comic book store where it's just comics you know and there's not all that but that was just funny the first thing i thought there's that wall of pops and i'm just like it's I funny to see the, the evolution of what a comic book store has become in the last 15 years you know it's or 20 years it's not just a room of comics it's all this other pop culture stuff too mm. thought that was funny but um yeah no i think that's it we're good class is fun go watch it yeah i loved it good you want to give me a sign off again thanks for listening